Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. Today's episode is brought to you by ourselves. If you need freelance vendor agnostic consigliere advisement, you can reach Corey at techvoyant.com. That's T-E-K-V-O-Y-A-N-T.com. And you can reach me at theduke.digital, where I provide the same consigliere services as well as staffing and digital marketing and sales enablement services for small and medium-sized partners. All right, what are we talking about today, Corey? All right, today, Duke, we're going to talk about documentation, all forms of it, all kinds of ways. I'm looking forward to this. I don't think I've ever talked about documentation before. <laughs> you know, Duke, <laughs> in, all the, in all the years I've known you, <laughs> I cannot remember a time where documentation has been the topic of our conversation. <laughs> well, what better time than like, what, 51 episodes in? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it done. Yeah, Actually, I think this is episode 49. Is it? Yeah. So that's uh that's that's pretty interesting too, right? Like we're coming up on episode fifty. So we got to consult the interweb here. <laughs> All right, as we look this up. Hey, internet! <laughs> what episode <laughs> are we on? And it'd be great if we had like a oh, producer right, 49. on this one. Yeah, we're here already. Episode forty nine. Yep. So episode fifty, man. We got we got to do something. Yeah. Drop on social media hashtag CJ and the Duke. What episode should we do for number fifty? Yeah, let's do that. Absolutely. Let's see what the fans want. That's right. But episode 49 is about documentation, which is something gosh, we've never of, talked about before. It's one of my favorite topics for sure. For sure. It is. <laughs> like, Corey, why don't people document their shit? Oh, dude, you know what it is. So I've got two ideas on this, right? I've got the jokey, jokey idea that documentation is boring, but I've got one that's a little bit more serious, actually. And I think that most of the folks in the industry have ADHD and documentation just doesn't give you that sweet dopamine hit. Like solving a problem with code does. Yeah, it could be. The one partner I, I've mentioned a few times on this call, they don't exist anymore, thank goodness. But but they just, I mean, they told me like documentation is really difficult and to keep our scopes down, we just take it out unless the customer explicitly asks for it. So if I just go and what, just assume what they're saying is true, that documentation is hard, maybe that's why they don't do it. But on the other hand, I'm like, isn't everything hard? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Isn't doing an implementation hard? Isn't Bro, learning <laughs> JavaScript for the first time? That was hard. <laughs> yeah. Isn't what's coming down with the new UI framework hard? Like, isn't yeah. it hard to figure out Flow Designer for the first time? For the first time? Oh, man. Yeah, creating Flow Designer's not that hard. But you know what I mean? Like, every all of this is hard. They're yeah. not paying you a quarter million dollars in services to do something easy. This is true. <laughs> right? If it was easy, everybody could do it. That's right. That's right. You know, I like the fact that it's not easy. It means, you know, I mean, that, that, that's my edge. My yeah. edge is the fact that this isn't easy and I make it seem that way. And furthermore, now we know that there's other hard stuff about the implementation too. But do you ever feel there's a paradox where it's like, shoot, man, we'll hire somebody and bill for them to write stories, right? Let's get a BA in here and they'll interpret the business needs and they'll write stories for our tech folks to, to build onto. And we'll invest all kinds of time and money into the story writing. Right. But then That's all true. of a sudden it's like, when you want to like wrap it up, memorialize what you did as complete coherent solutions that people can read, all of a sudden that's too hard. That's That's a really interesting point, Duke. I mean, stories are documenting requirements. And if we take that verb out of that sentence, documenting, and trans transform it into a noun, documentation, 
right? Like we're acknowledging that documentation plays a key part in any project. Why is it only a key part at the beginning, but not at the end? Yeah. I think there's a lot of people will tell you the stories are the documentation, right? Like you should, you should, when I leave, there's all the stories. That's the library of stuff I did. And to some, to some extent it's true, but it's not the full picture. It's kind of like if if I dumped all the parts for a Honda Civic in the center of your living room and said, there, there's a free Honda Civic for you, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You'd be like, um, (laughs) it's like, oh, thanks. (laughs) And and it's going to cost me more to figure out how to assemble this and move this stuff into a garage where I can do it than it would be for me to just go out and buy a Honda Civic. You know, and I also think it depends on the audience, right? Like who, who is the audience of your documentation? So in your metaphor with the Honda Civic, if the audience is a mechanic, right? Or a hobbyist dumping the parts for a Honda Civic on the floor might be their preferred method of payment, (laughs) you know, but but they'd still have to assemble it. You know what I mean? They they'd yeah. have to like sort it all out. And that's, that's what I think. Like I'm a decent service now resource. Like I don't care what the other people say, but, the, um... <laughs> <laughs> but when, you know, when homeboys at, at this uh, partner dropped the thousand some item accelerator, plus yeah. spent a year building quote unquote, the most custom thing we've ever built. And then they just said, the answers are in the stories when I was asking for documentation. And these stories are like three or four paragraphs long. It's like, okay, listen, I got essentially 150 or 200 pages of reading to do. Yeah. That's a novel. That, you know, I want to know now. <laughs> and, Is that going to really fly with the client, right? If you say, Hey, I got to read yeah. a novel real quick and then I'll get back to you on the answer. Yeah, and excuse me for saying so, but shit changes. Like, I've read good stories. I've read great groomed stories. And then by the time it's in, it's changed enough that it, you know what I mean? Like, you're in the middle of the story. It's like, oh, we can't do it quite that way. Let's do it this other way. And let's just roll with it. And it's just not the same as the story anymore. Yeah, true. Absolutely. I, I just, I don't buy it. Stories are not an adequate substitute for memorialized documentation. They're not. They're yeah, not. They're man, a part of it. Honestly, I, I think the stories influence what you put in your documentation, right? They they serve as a reminder for stuff that you built, maybe you forgot about, depending on how long you've been on the project or something like that. But they aren't the documentation by themselves because stories, number one, follow a, a kind of semi-formal structure in the way that they're written. They're intended to convey something from one person to another with very specific kind of roles. And the conveyance back up the chain isn't necessarily a focus. Right. So with, doc- with documentation, it's the conveyance back that's the focus more than the conveyance to. If I'm speaking from the perspective of like the ServiceNow architect. I love that. I love that, man. The conveyance. So who, who in your mind is the audience for the documentation? In my mind, doc- documentation is at least one part technical is at least one part where I can your new resource who's going to have to come in and maintain this thing through several ServiceNow upgrades. Right. Knows where I did what and has a, a guide to get them there. So typically my primary thought on documentation is from the technical side side of it so that future me or future person who is occupying the same job as me right now, you know, has a much easier job of maintaining this thing and expanding and scaling it if necessary. But you do. I mean, it's got to be either the architect or the product owner. And in some places it's both people at the same time, but it's whoever will suffer the consequences if it blows up. Say you have a process owner, your, your, your PMO wants to deploy ITBM. You get a vendor in there, they deploy their thousand item accelerator. They spend a year building the most custom thing they've ever built. <laughs> they leave you with no documentation. 
and the whole thing blows up on day two, the, the PMO does not suffer the consequences of that. Right. The vendor doesn't even suffer the consequences of that. They done right. got paid and they're gone, right? Yeah, they out. Yeah. Best of luck. Call us if you need us. It's basically, it's probably going to be the architect. It's probably going to be the product owner. Oh, this didn't live. Oh, sometimes it's service now. Like, oh, this product doesn't live up to its name. Yeah, no, that's true. After we built a ton of crap on it. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, um, but internally in the organization, it's got to be whoever will answer for the consequences. Dude. And so that's architect, that's product owner. And, and I think like, it's important that it satisfies both because like how many product owners out there actually know everything that their system facilitates? I'll bet no. you the number's a lot lower than people want it to be. It's definitely lower than 100%. I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd say I'd, this is just like me just finger in the air, like testing the wind, right? I'd say it's under 75%. I'd, I'd agree with you. I, I would agree with you. And I agree with you for a couple different reasons. One, most product owners haven't owned the instance throughout this entire life cycle, right? Mm -hmm. So they've so they've come in in the middle somewhere or they owned it from, yeah, they've come in in the middle, right? Inherited stuff. Yep. That inherited stuff is never going to be 100% accurate either. Yep. So, yeah, no, you, you make a good point. And I want to go back to, the, though, you said um, whoever um, is going to suffer the consequences, because I think that's a really important thing because the consequences you know, might not necessarily just be two days after the consequences might not show up for a year later. Right. And then in a year later, when the product owner is presiding over a project that's about to expand the scope of the initial app or scale it beyond five people to 50 people or 500, that documentation yeah. is going to come out the vault, right? Somebody's going to blow some dust off of it and try to figure out, okay, how do we do this? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Like the example I used previously with that ITBM vendor, that blew up fast, like right. straight away. Because it just, you're trying to train people on this super heavy custom stuff and they're like, what? But there's this stuff that creeps up on you. A little thing here, a little thing there, a little thing here, a little thing there, change of ownership. You know, yeah. everybody gets, it's the, it's the frog that slowly keeps yeah. on amping up the temperature. And then you get somebody who actually knows what they're doing come in and it's like, hey, listen, how come it takes 40 hours for us to, create a new group on the system, right? Because we've cracked ACLs <laughs> open and now we're basically individually managing every field, every table for every group before oh, they can yeah. get started. Can you imagine? I mean, I think you can. <laughs> what do you do in a situation though, when you come in as a new person on this type of project, right? And you inherit something like that. And I'm, and I'm asking you because this was not rhetorical, Duke, because I know you have experience uh, in this from, from this um, standpoint, but what do you do when you inherit something that's a mess like that and you got to get your arms around it in, in a hurry and really try to re-architect it so that, this, so that it works, so that the business can do what they want to do? Yeah. I mean, this has happened to me at least four times. Like, there's four accounts that pop on my head immediately about where I came. I'm like, you know, they had aspirations. You're kind of catching a mid stride. You know, you're going to write the ship. And you're like, okay, what do we have documentation? Well, there's nothing. <laughs> you <know>? and, <laughs> and it's like, hey, listen, sorry, we got to pause here and I've got to rewind and back engineer this stuff, which takes longer. Right. And 
come on, I'm not the only one who's been there. Everybody who works at a serious vendor in a, a senior capacity has been in this position yourself. So can we all agree in, in our little brotherhood and sisterhood of ServiceNow experts, let's not screw over the next person. And let's yeah. leave some good quality documentation. I totally want to, I kept forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, you answered it, man. And you're absolutely right. Like, let's not screw over, you know, the uh, the next person. But it was, a, what do you do, right? Yeah. And and this is a perfect, like, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so the best thing is for whatever you do, leave a document that memorializes what you did. The second best thing to do which is awful is back engineer it once you get there, but memorialize it while you back engineer it yes. because sometimes the only way out is through and you've got to re-architect this thing. Let's just hit, let's Z boot it. Let's hit the reset button. Let's rebuild it from scratch. Right. Which is awful, terrible, horrible situation to be in, but you better believe you had got to have ammo going into that fight. And so you have to document like, this is why I can't just create a group because I've got to travel the trail of tears in, you know, yeah. through these ACLs and documenting. You've essentially got to document how bad it is so that you can make value propositions. This is going to allow us to expand much faster because now we can just roll on groups whenever the, whenever the heck we want. And here's another thing too, right? Like for folks out there with it who don't have the absolute best memory too, if you're reverse engineering something and your task is not just reverse engineering like one process or one module is pretty much reverse engineering the entire instance like you're not going to remember point a when you're reverse engineering point n yeah right like you know you're going to get back to like okay so i do remember that all of these things flow through this now where was that it's again awful. it's right? like there's so much invisible stuff mechanical engineers on their most complex projects still don't get it this difficult because the objects are in front of them yes they can disassemble the objects yeah we we can't do that yeah you don't like, know there's so much stuff that's like invisible or just the 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 thing that links one thing to another isn't clear yeah i mean the only way to solve that is documentation to drop yourself that's some breadcrumbs right. you know yeah. to know this script is calling this script include or this script includes serves this app scope with these functions calling into it and delivers these as variable as returns like all of that stuff and and this some of that is like really really in the weeds and but I mean, you need it. So like you need to build it because again, future you and, and don't, and look, if you're any good and you, we all hope that you're good, you're going to have these clients that call you back later because of something that you built that's working. It happens to be working really well. Like I know mm -hmm. we talk about a lot of things from the perspective of sometimes that something isn't working, but some, you're going to build some things that work really, really well for your client. Right. And yeah. they're going to be like, man, this is going great. We only wish it did. And then they're going to hit you with like a 10 point bullet point list. Yeah. And then they're going to start asking you for rates and when you can get it done. Right. Like it's, that's like dream scenario. Everybody wants that. And then you're going to get in there. You're going to, like, you're going to be gung ho because they fed your ego. They told you how good you were. They told you how great this thing works. And you're, you're chomping at the bit now to get in the instance again and start to expand it. And then you look at that code. And you think, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, too. Not only them calling you, if you have everything documented, I swear we've had an episode on this. Oh, we have. <laughs> right. But if you do a good job of documentation, you have it and they have it. And so every version upgrade, you pull this thing out, you look through it and you're like, oh, that's changed or that's out of the box now. Guess who you get to call? Yeah. You get to call your entire client base. Hey, this is out of the box now. Maybe we want to eliminate some tech debt. How, how about it? Right. You know, get some business in. Absolutely. You want to be a salesperson's best friend ever? <laughs> 
drum up some business for them. Get that bonus, man. Yeah, this no is doubt, a, man. this is a no brainer for for continued business and the ecosystem. Sorry to say, folks, is getting a lot more cutthroat. Like it's not everybody gets everything they want. Every pe- people actually compete now. It's a smart thing to do. You know what I think we should do? Because we're like halfway through and we're just talking about like how why documentation is awesome. We should probably talk about what we mean when we say documentation. Because I think it's a great point. I think a lot of people think that it's nth level tech tech documentation. And I'm not even there yet. Like, no, I'm not either, dude. I don't. I don't go into that, that deep. I don't go into it that deep because I assume a certain level of competence for my audience. So I speak to them at a level of that they understand, which isn't the level of like instruction manual. I'm not. I'm not writing that. But dude, go ahead and you tell me how do you structure your documentation for your clients typically? Okay, so I always. Because I know I'm leaving this stuff for the product owner slash architect. And so they don't need the nth level detail. And I think a lot of people, if you just think, oh, documentation is way too hard. There's no way we're going to invest in it. Just just do this part. Document the things that you had to go off course for. But document them in terms of the intent and an abstract of the solution. So like that, I did an ITBM deployment two years ago. It was pre-Paris or which one introduced the time card days? Right. Uh, yep. T- time card yep. days didn't exist. It was time card weeks. So they needed a solution that they could say for the 31 days in this month, what time was entered. We had to have time card days, had to, had to, had to. Otherwise, there was no use deploying the whole product. Right. And so we wrote down in the documentation, time card day solution. Because we had these circumstances, we had to create a solution that blah, blah, blah. If you just left them that, yeah. If you just left them that, that would be a leg up. But then I said, so here's the abstract of why we built that thing. Here are the stories hyperlinked to the actual stories that justify what we did. And here's a link to the big objects that are the solution. So I'm talking like business rules, new dictionary entries, you know what I mean? That kind yeah. of stuff. I wasn't yeah. talking about whatever records are tracking where it is on the form or anything like that. Just like, here's the business logic. Here's any data structure we changed. And they loved that. You, you know, Duke, I can totally see why. I, I do documentation largely the same way, largely because I learned it from you. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember you sent sent me a sample of a documentation that you had written for a client before. And I was like, dude, this is amazing. And, and I showed it to uh, at that time to my boss. He was like, yeah, this is this is a good standard. We can do that. And so I've kind of stuck with that ever since. And I found it, it's the perfect kind of scale for what we're trying to deliver here, right? We're trying to keep it something that's not, again, not a structural man, uh, manual kind of a level of detail because we're not talking to folks who are going to be at that level of detail. And if they are, then they're not in the, they're in the wrong position to kind of be doing what we're asking them to do with this documentation. And, and somebody and somebody who is way deep tech will understand this anyway. And it will be the bulk of what we would put in a tech doc anyway. Yeah, that's the, that's the good point, right? It's like, if you don't understand it, you're not senior enough to be actually doing what they're asking you to do, <laughs> right? And if you do, and if you know way more than what the, how the documentation is written, you probably don't need it, but it's a nice guy to kind of get hot link you to where you need to be immediately, right? And so, and that's why it works. And that's why you don't have to do much more than that. I think it also leaves your client with a good taste in their mouth about you, right? So yep. it, it shows them that you actually care about them, Yep. right? And that goes a long way because they want to know that they can call you in three weeks if this thing breaks or blows up, right? And actually get somebody on the phone who actually gives a crap. And it wasn't just about the, you know, the invoice. 
Yep. So, so yeah, man. I mean, you know, I do I do documentation largely the same as you. So I think we're we're totally in sync there. One other thing that that I, I think we we should touch on is how documentation is this kind of multi. It's almost like the Swiss Army knife of a product, right? That, that kind of serves you in good standing and serves your client really in good standing, right? We were talking yesterday, Duke, and we, we kind of came up with this uh, metaphor of how. Like the squirrels go and, and winter's coming and they go out and they're kind of fatten themselves up. Get to the winter weight. Yeah, they get to the winter weight, right? Like they're all nice and slim during the summer, but man, those guys get chunky during the winter, right? <laughs> they got you. And, yeah. Yeah. And they got stashes all over the place. It's crazy, man. Now, the other day I saw a squirrel like um, retrieve like some food out of an old bird's nest, right? Like they're stashing stuff all over the place. Right. And and what it is, is I, I look at documentation in much that same way. Right. Documentation fattens up, fattens up the implementation in the sense that it gives you a couple of different things. Right. It gives you some safety in case this thing breaks. You have something to go back and look at. Right. First and foremost, not even your client, but you have something that you can reference first and foremost, because you're seven, eight clients later. Right. Yeah. And, and this thing is broken and you want to be able to quickly get up to speed. So documentation is your safety net in that, in that perspective. Right. You know, and I mean, man, it, it, it gives you the the ability to to make this project into a much, long, much more than a one transaction kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's what we all like. We all love recurring revenue and recurring clients. Right. And, and the only way you're going to get those is if you treat your clients well, well. And so documentation gives you the ability to extend those engagements longer than they would otherwise if you were just, you know, hey, you're all done. See you later. And then the last thing is documentation gives you that that shelter from a bad client. And it's the way that I look at it. Right. So at the end of the day, that bad client is going to want to know what you did. And you hand them that documentation. That's where you that's where you hide everything. Like here, here you go. This is exactly what I did. I know we didn't necessarily get along throughout this entire thing, but here you go. I'm turning this over to you now. And so now you know everything. So I kind of look at it a little bit, like just a little bit of extra, some extra safety for yourself as an architect out here in this, in this cold heart world. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take it from the opposite angle It's safety for the customer too. On the consultative side, I think there's this idea, especially if you haven't been a customer, if you've always been in the ServiceNow consulting space, here's an eye opener for you. People actually consult the documentation when they have it. You better believe they do. It is not as the rest of the consulting ecosystem would tell you a long, hard process for something of no value. I have yeah. been in positions where I would have sawn off my hand <laughs> <laughs> in exchange for the, the memorials documents of what the heck happened here. Right. It is not useless and your customer deserves it. But now that I think about it, you're taking it from the consulting angle. And we were talking about something in the pre-show, right? The um, like documentation as sign-off. Yeah. Which is, you know, if you, if you think about it, we just went through the intent of the things you did have to be captured. The abstract of what you did has to be captured. And then the story justification and the links to the objects is great too. But if you have that, you've essentially given that, you essentially have a map of everything that you just did. Absolutely. And what better to go to sign-off with like I've literally seen that ITBM disaster I was on, man, where it was like day two, everybody's just in like a blind panic because this stuff wasn't working for training, or at least it was working because it was built exactly as asked. The house is burning down and, and you're signing your mortgage in the firelight. <laughs> <laughs> you're at the table having a cup of coffee. This like, is yeah, fine. Okay, I guess we're taking the money now. 
Like we did it, right? Like, can't you see the fire? We did it. <laughs> but I imagine going instead with here's all the component pieces that we built for you. Here's where everybody talks about the customization versus config dilemma, right? right. Here's where we had to go off course a bit, but we did it because justification, right? There's a justification right. that you needed. And so it was Corey's idea, but I think it's a phenomenal idea. And I'm planning to use it in my future is use the documentation as a sign off artifact. Yeah, dude. I mean, it just makes sense to me, right? Like if we're turning this thing over, let's just turn it over and, and let's use that as, hey, this is me memorializing my delivery of the things that you asked for to you, right? And you can go through this book and you can validate that everything is there that we talked about. It should be an abstract of the stories. And that abstract could be in the executive summary. Like it doesn't need to be each, have a section for each story, right? Like you can just take the, you know, a concise write-up that embodies the stories that you've built, put that in the executive summary, you know, and then put some links in there to the code that you actually wrote and the objects that you modify, call out any kind of, you know, gotchas or potential gotchas that they need to look out for in the future. Boom, documentation. <laughs> you would think this is much harder than it is for how often or how little it's done. Yep. I, you I, know. I hear you. And actually, because you said you do this documentation the same way I do. How hard is it? Man, you're going to put me on the spot. On so I, I'll, I'll answer for myself. I like <laughs> I did it for a project and it was no more than 5% of the total time. There we go. 5%. I like that. Yeah. Five, like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, whatever it's, money, right? It's just like, it's the tip after you've taken everybody out for a meal. Like it's, it's, it's not a big part, especially, especially if you have the discipline to build this in parallel, you're coming out of requirements gathering, you've shown them the product. They're like, Oh God, we need time card days. That is the time to put a section in your document called time card days. We know we need to use time card days. The system doesn't have it yet. Here's a solution. We're we're, You know what I mean? Yeah. And how much time did you spend doing that? Five minutes. And once yeah, you're exactly. done building it, building hyperlinks into a document is like, you know, it's manual work, but it's valuable work. It's totally valuable. And so I remember, um, you know, think a little bit more about how I kind of structure my, my contracts on these things. And I, I typically include at the end of all of my, all of the work, uh, a one, two week sprint. So I typically normalize on two weeks, two week sprints. Um, and, and then I have a two week sprint at the end of the contract that is both a documentation sprint and a hypercare sprint, right? So one week of hypercare and one week of documentation is built in at the end. And typically, if I've done it well, I've documented along the way. So I don't need that whole week because I've, I've built it in. But if I do need the whole week, that's still fine. There's more than enough time for me to actually get everything down on paper, get it over to the client, right? The rough draft, have them take a, you know, a pass at it and tell me if they think it's missing anything. Integrate any of that stuff back and then get sign off. So yeah, this is easy. Everyone should be doing it. But you know what? If you don't want to, that's fine too, because I'll eat your lunch. (laughs) Man, that looks good. Give me that. (laughs) No, but I mean, the the reason you guys are listening to us, right, is because, you know, these these are kind of tips that you're looking to hear. So this is a tip. Pick it up, because if you're not picking it up, somebody is eating your lunch. Only people who love you will tell you what you need to hear that nobody else is going to tell you. We love you. This is like, (laughs) nobody else is going to tell you this, but this is a hard truth. We love you. This is why we keep banging the drum about it because the customers deserve it. The industry frigging needs it. We need to have a big old 
come to the higher power meeting here and do better. Everybody yeah, wants man. to tell you, oh, oh, it's too hard. Everybody talks about, ooh, best practice. We have best practice. Yeah. <laughs> if your company doesn't leave a memorialized documentation of what you did, you don't get to say anything about we got best practice. Amen. I mean, that's just really where it comes down to. And, and there's no excuse if, if you're like an indie, but there's really no excuse if you got a whole team on this thing. And and if this is an ongoing engagement, especially, like you should definitely be doing the, the documentation in an ongoing manner. I just jumped into a project, just finished it up. And the company had outsourced their their instance management, right? And so I was brought in as another developer to kind of just, they had some extra work they weren't able to get through and they really wanted to try to wrap it up this fiscal year. And so they brought me in to kind of do this work. And when I got there, right, like I asked the normal things that you typically ask on a new project. Oh, oh, sorry, totally. (laughs) 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 I I totally got sneeze ambushed. (laughs) <laughs> we're leaving that one in <laughs> okay leave it in <laughs> and and so i asked them like do you guys have developer documentation do you have any kind of guidelines frameworks do you have a process right like you know all the kind of stuff to let me know how i do my job as a developer better right like do you have custom stuff that relates to the module that i'm working in that needs to be included in my code Right. Like if I'm working in the service catalog, do you guys have variable sets that you include in every single catalog item? Right. That's the kind of stuff that you'd surface in documentation and that you would have available if you're expecting to have someone else working in your instance. Yeah, none of that was available. And so a lot of we spent a lot of time chasing bugs that were bugs for me that wouldn't have been a bug had they actually provided me with standards that I can utilize to know how to mimic their way of doing business, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's another reason there why documentation is, is super important, right? Because if you bring in somebody from the outside and you could spend real money getting that person up to speed because you didn't have something that you can hand off to them and say, okay, hey, this is how we do business here. Read up on this while we're getting your access squared away and be ready to come to work. Totally hear you. Like, why doesn't this... We're not wrong, right? Like, we're the only ones talking about <laughs> banging the drum. Like, dude, I don't know. They looked at me like I was crazy when I asked for the stuff. Mm. You're on the phone and you're, you're on this on a call, right? And you're like, hey, so you guys have like any kind of developer documentation or product standards or anything like that? And then you, you stop talking and nobody else talks. <laughs> it's kind of like what happened. Like, I, I felt like everybody was on the other end of the mic going blink. Blink. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you something, Ben. This is gonna be super controversial. Well, maybe it won't be controversial. Maybe. Ah, oh, I'm just gonna say it. Okay. Like, okay. I once had the pleasure, the distinct, unique pleasure of talking to a facilities management team in a building that was owned by a hedge fund. Okay. And so this is not your normal building. They got backup systems on backup systems and monitoring at the wazoo, but it's an, it's an engineering level, like a civil engineering type of setup, not like an IT setup. And I think we think we're so hot with our ServiceNow skill set in the ServiceNow environment. And, oh, we're so smart. And we come and consult for triple digits an hour. And, oh, like, look at us. We're so awesome. And, you know, there's a lot of awesome people. So I'm in this room with a bunch of just blue-collar dudes, right? Okay. Probably like one college education amongst all of them and the engineer. And these people have got facilities licked in a way that IT could only dream about having their systems licked. 
they just mm. everything is so so regimented so specific so documented so monitored so automated that the second this breaks down they know and it's fixed already and it's they're the kind of people that i think a lot of us in our industry would would look down our nose at but they've got it figured out in ways we don't and part of it is that they document everything everything from start to finish you mean they don't feel like there's nothing that's set up in a facility yeah i mean there's but there's nothing set up in a facility that is unknown right that's like key. you've never set up an electrical system just like, yeah, oh, cool, it works. It does exactly outcomes are met. And then and then you're like, gosh, <laughs> you know, you're flicking the lights on, or the power goes out and lights go on, or or the lights don't go back on. And you're like, hmm, I wonder how that system was designed. Ludicrous <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like an engineer would look at you and say, What? <laughs> People don't document stuff like this? Right. No, I mean, dude, that's that's a very good point, too, because I do feel like we're in this situation where we kind of look down on documentation, but everybody else realizes the value that it brings to the job and to the continuance, the furtherance of the job, right? You know that you might, you might be around here for quite a while, but you also know that you might not, right? So if you're around here for a long time, you don't want to have to remember this one thing you did 10 years ago. Yeah. I'll tell you what too, everybody who's come up the hard way, I came from a very comfortable background. I was super blessed that way. But all my friends were like, you know, their family struggled. And I remember my best buddy, Jay, and he was working, you know, part-time jobs inside of high school and stuff so he could afford a car so he could like drive his mom to work and all this, you know what I mean? Like hard way. And he bought this ancient used car, but he spent an extra 20 bucks and he got the, not the owner's manual, but you know, those big, huge, like telephone book size. Ah, yeah. The service manual. Yeah. And he bought the service manual for it too, which documents every last thing about the car. And he kept that car alive for, it was already long past its due date. Let's let's put it that way. (laughs) But he saved himself thousands of dollars in being able to do himself. Cause he'd just be like, oh, it's making a funny noise in this thing. What's that thing called? You know, just find out, learn about it. Right. Figure it out. And he's not like a mechanic. He's not a car engineer. He was just, he was a high school student for crying out loud. He washed dishes. He, he, he busts tables. Right. And he, through the power of documentation, he squeezed the life out of a wreck of a car. <laughs> I mean, that's so key, man. Right. He couldn't have done that without the documentation. Seriously. And it, like you, you're, you're amping down the skill level it takes to sustain something complex. So your point is well taken, Duke. These systems exist and they exist for longer than we can ever imagine. You can't judge the future. I mean, I've been in IT for over 20 years at this point. You know, only now are some of the things that I worked on probably getting replaced. And I'm sure that there's some servers somewhere that probably still have record of my last login. And that would be like years and years ago. So you have to think about this stuff when you're actually delivering. The ServiceNow instance is going to be around here for a while. ServiceNow is not going anywhere. And these processes and pro- and products that you're making on top of the instance, right, they're going to be here too. I had a client come to me three years later and say, hey, I love this really cool thing that you built. Ironically, Duke around time cards. And this thing has saved us so much money and, 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 and we want to expand it, right? So we want you to come on back here and, and help us build out some additional things that we've been doing manually around this process to enrich it that we just rather the, the system do. And so I came in there and luckily I did actually have documentation and I was able to jump right back in and kind of scale that out for those guys. And they were super happy with that. So you got to think about these things. You got to, you got to think about documentation. There's no excuse not to do it. And you're, you're putting a lot of people at a disadvantage if you don't. 
All right, we are at time on this one, folks. If you disagree with us, please leave a comment in uh, wherever you're seeing this so we can find out who you are. No. And we'll eat your lunch. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, if there's points that need to be disputed on this, let us know. We'll invite you on the show and we can have a debate about it. No, that'd be awesome. All right. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks, everyone. CJ and the Duke is hosted by Robert the Duke Fedoric and Corey CJ Wesley. We are both freelance vendor agnostic ServiceNow experts who can help you in three different ways. If you want a true consigliere in your corner for your ServiceNow implementation, if you want to tell your customer story on CJ and the Duke, or if you want your brand in front of the largest independent ServiceNow podcast community, check the links below for how to contact us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.